Welcome to the first episode of the CityWire Selector MedTech Under the Microscope podcast. Medical technology, or MedTech, has emerged as a fascinating team with COVID-19 pushing health concerns higher up people's personal agendas, but also onto the investment radar of many asset managers in this space. But what areas does it cover and how can people focus their attentions properly? I'm Federica Tedeschi, a reporter CityWire selector, and joining me today is Zerid Osmani, head of global long-term unconstrained at Martin Curry, one of Franklin Templeton's specialist investment managers. Thank you, Zerid, for joining us today. Thank you, Federica. Nice to be on your uh, podcast. Healthcare exposure is ranging from 20 to 28% in your portfolio at present. But what initially led you to start investing in the medtech sector? Well, for us, medical technology is a big area of uh, growth potential, and that growth is structural. Uh, The way we look at uh, our strategies and the way they're exposed is through three uh, long-term megatrends. One of them is resource scarcity. The other one is demographic changes. And the third one is future of technology. And as we look at those three long-term megatrends, which we'll be still talking about in 10, 20, 30 years time and beyond, we look at themes within those megatrends that then permit us to put our strategies on long-term structural growth opportunities. And some of those themes related to medical technology and healthcare in general are actually related to some of those three megatrends. In particular, on demographic changes, The aging population as one of the themes is an important area because with aging population, more of the spend goes towards healthcare and healthcare needs. Another one within demographic changes is 21st century diseases, which are oncology, obesity, and diabetes, which are three important diseases, unfortunately, for humanity, which are related to lifestyle in particular. And the third one is that thematic focus growing in the population across geographies of healthier living, of which focus on uh, medical technologies, one of them notably consumerization of healthcare, such as um, fitness devices or uh, real-time healthcare monitoring. So that's one aspect related to demographic changes. The other one is resource scarcity because within resource scarcity, we capture uh, physical resources, not just natural resources. And that means that infrastructure is an important area of that mega trend. Within that healthcare infrastructure, again, related to the needs as demographic dynamics change, as we explained a moment ago. And the third one within future of technology is related to the fact that technology is having an impact across all sectors of the economy, in particular healthcare. And medical technology, therefore, is a great beneficiary of those uh, technological advancements that are harnessed and uh, deployed in the healthcare space for better uh, healthcare uh, healthcare, um, uh, treatment of populations and better healthcare monitoring. So again, some of it is around bespoke healthcare, but also that consumerization of healthcare that we mentioned a moment ago. Um, You manage global equity strategies with a specific focus on unconstrained, high conviction and long-term portfolios. 
how you describe your approach in detail and which opportunity areas have come into focus because of this approach? What we like about the fact that we are unconstrained is we can really just focus on areas of attraction without having to worry about index exposures. Uh, hence why we have uh, such sizable exposure to medical technology for the reasons we explained before, very long-term structural growth drivers in demographics in the need for more healthcare all of which leading us to be very positive on some of those trends and then finding some very attractive opportunities within medical technology. And the way we look at effectively finding these uh, attractive opportunities is through a few areas of fundamental analysis. In broad terms, we're looking for companies that have attractive growth potential on a time frame of five to 10 years and beyond very long-term investment approach, as well as companies that generate high returns on invested capital, which for us is critical for value creation for shareholders. And finally, businesses that within our fundamental analysis come through as having sustainable business models. And on that front, it's around uh, ESG analysis, but for us that ESG analysis is fully integrated in the fundamental analysis that we do. Let's now talk about stocks. How would you describe the top medical holdings within your fund? They all have uh, a few characteristics. So we're very structured in our fundamental assessments across uh, industry dynamics that we want to put our clients' assets. Company risks that we capture within our fundamental analysis, ESG risks and also portfolio implications in terms of risk impact of any company on the overall portfolio risk profiles. And as a result of that, we end up with uh, companies through the structured analysis that operate in industries that have high barriers to entry. They tend to have dominant market positions or the potential to be dominant. It gives them strong pricing power, which is important both in an environment of higher inflation or in an environment which for the long term, our assumption is of low inflation, where a lack of inflation means we want to be in companies that have strong pricing power. They also have low disruption risk, and that is important, an area to constantly assess. Um, They have structural gross prospects, high returns, as we mentioned earlier. They also have strong balance sheets and high cash flow generations. And on the ESG side, they tend to have quality management, good corporate culture and sustainable business models. But at the heart, as always, given our focused approach, they need to have an attractive valuation as well as capturing all those criteria. We have briefly touched on pandemic, but how has COVID-19 changed your approach to medtech investment? It's a really good uh, point to highlight, Federica, because since the pandemic, there have been some accelerating trends in some areas. And we have mentioned various areas of uh, post-pandemic midterm opportunities that we see. These are captured within our uh, three mega trends. And we have highlighted eight opportunities. Uh, Four of them are actually related to infrastructure spending. And one of those infrastructure spending is healthcare. And therefore, just focusing on healthcare 
we think that some of the trends have accelerated in terms of uh, focus on uh, uh, health, on wellness. But also, since the pandemic, it's very clear that all governments throughout the globe are going to be channeling more of their infrastructure spending programs on upgrading their healthcare infrastructure. And that to us is both physical upgrades, so more hospitals, better uh, layout of hospitals, but also digital upgrade of the healthcare system to increase productivity of uh, the healthcare um, infrastructure. And within that, there are therefore some very uh, well-positioned companies, software companies in particular, in the healthcare space that are uh, enabling hospitals to increase their um, productivity. Aside from COVID-19, how has your approach changed over time and what elements have triggered the change? Well, our approach has been founded right from the very start of uh, focusing on that long-term unconstrained approach that we did. And so from that point of view, fundamentally, nothing has changed. Um, We are conscious that there's been changes in the industry in terms of bringing in more focus on ESG. This is for us uh, on that front specifically something that we've been doing for over 20 years at Martin Curry and um, we've got very strong accolades coming from um, organizations such as the PRI where we're AAA plus rated for four years in a row. So our approach has always been to focus on businesses that have quality growth characteristics and sustainable business models with an ESG focus that has been embedded in that fundamental analysis. So we would say what we see in the industry is an evolution towards putting sustainability as an area of focus uh, for uh, investors. And we welcome that development because the more of us investors are focusing on sustainable business models, the more it's going to lead to corporates accelerating their focus on that and ensuring that they run their businesses in a sustainable manner. And of course, the background for all these uh, changes has been that increased focus on uh, climate change and the challenges that climate change brings to every stakeholders globally and the net zero targets that uh, have come out of some of the COP26 notably uh, initiatives. Talking about your strategy, you mentioned about ESG. Over the last couple of years, many investors have integrated ESG into decision making. More specifically, what is your approach to ESG and why? Our approach is fully integrated in our fundamental analysis. So the team that we have uh, that is dedicated to the long-term unconstrained strategies is uh, the team that uh, also does the ESG analysis. Uh, We have a, a proprietary ESG risk assessment on every company that we assess, and it focuses on two broad areas, which are governance and sustainability. And for us on governance, it's assessing boards, management, remuneration, and culture of a corporate. Within that culture, it will be things like corporate culture, but also diversity, integrity, and ethics. And on the sustainability side, it's looking at environmental and social risks. Integrating of sustainability as an ambition for the company and looking at five common factors across all 
those companies, which are climate change, cybersecurity, human capital, customer trust, and taxation. All in all, this uh, captures 52 parameters that we are assessing across governance and sustainability to ensure that we have a good uh, area of assessment of any ESG risk that uh, any company faces. In addition to that, we also have a strong focus on uh, social exploitation risks within the social risks. And for that specific field of social exploitation risk, we also look at 20 additional areas that our analysts assess to ensure we minimize the risk of uh, investing our clients' assets in companies with social exploitation risks. And now looking ahead, what is your outlook for the medtech sector in general? And what investment teams and opportunities are you assessing in the year ahead? We think the future is very bright for um, the medtech sector generally in terms of trends driven by this aging population, by the need for more healthcare infrastructure in particular. So there are various areas that we find very attractive and we can look at uh, things like um, biologics, and uh, the shift uh, towards uh, more biologics and single-use technology within that, as well as uh, uh, outsourcing of contract development manufacturing. So there are some very well-positioned companies there where um, we forecast very high revenue growth. And by very high, we're looking at 20 to 30% annualized growth in revenues that some of these companies can generate. Um, so very high gross uh, profiles within that specific space. On top of that, these are companies that are already profitable and where the profitability will continue to increase as they generate scale economies from that. That's one area. Then there's the area of genomics, um, as well as proteonomics and uh, liquid biopsy, where this is uh, an important area thematically that uh, touches into the bespoke healthcare theme. Uh, so more targeted therapies, uh, more uh, tailor-made therapies based on uh, everybody's um, genetic profile is a, a very exciting area of future growth potential that can really uh, deliver some great wonders for healthcare breakthroughs for patients. and. Um, harnessing that artificial intelligence uh, progress that has been made as well as uh, uh, all the uh, progress that has been made in terms of uh, genomics and bringing the cost of uh, sequencing of the genome of the genome down if you take a look at uh, how that trend has been the cost of uh, sequencing a genome has decreased from uh, 54 million dollars for the first genome that was a sequence in 2003 to now only $600 uh, by 2021. So it's been a phenomenal reduction in costs uh, of genome sequencing, which is therefore giving that uh, very exciting potential for the healthcare space to deliver much better tailored patient therapy, which uh, as a result will become much more successful. And that is across those three areas of 21st century diseases that we talked about, notably oncology uh, being an important area. So we see quite a lot of good attractive opportunities in that genomics um, and uh, liquid biopsy space. And then uh, the third area we would highlight is 
medical technology in terms of uh, remote patient monitoring, as well as connected health, which plays into this whole consumerization of healthcare, uh, this whole uh, healthcare at home, uh, this whole focus on wellness. So you'll have devices that will monitoring uh, that will monitor your um, vital uh, stats to make sure that uh, your health uh, stays uh, at a good level and to make sure you're monitored properly. So there are a few names like uh, companies that operate in the uh, sleep apnea market that have devices that can monitor your sleep, uh, that can analyze it, that can therefore lead uh, to better patient uh, treatment. Similarly, in terms of um, uh, companies that have uh, non-invasive non patient monitoring devices, the companies that can monitor your uh, blood uh, oxygenation, and so oximetry, which is an important vital statistic, which uh, again can save patients. And as that, those devices become more remote in their uh, ability to uh, achieve that monitoring. Thank you very much, uh, Zerid for joining us today. Thank you, Federica. Thank you. It's been a very good discussion. Thank you for the questions.